0: The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And because it is one of the very few books that is named after a woman, I'm going to read all 18 verses to you. <laughs> in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the, van, the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and was, she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, so that the women The woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "'Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me.'" The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband." Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has thus turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orba kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. These words are breathed into us by the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. You know, nighttime is always a restless time for me, especially um, the night before I'm supposed to travel. And any of you who have traveled with me for mission experiences know that I'm typically packing about three hours before we leave. And uh, it's also, nighttime is also hard for me um, when I have to preach on either set your clock forward or set your clock back day, which typically I seem to get those sermons. So I'm always worried that I'm going to be up here and no one's going to be here or you're going to be there and I'm not going to be here. So I'm glad that we're all together now. (laughs) You know, last night when I was worrying about just such thing, I was thinking, um, I couldn't help thinking about how restless Ruth must have been before her travel to Israel, how even with her great devotion to Naomi and her great devotion to God, she must have been restless about that journey ahead. I can't imagine she slept very well that night wondering if the Hebrew people would make room for a Moabite like her. That worry she must have left to God, for we know that she made that journey and became the great-grandmother of a king, King David, irregardless of what the Israelites and Hebrew people called her. In the beginning of the Book of Ruth, we meet Naomi and Elimelech, as I just read to you, and they are of Bethlehem, an Israelite couple who have two sons, Malon and Killian. And even though Bethlehem literally means house of food, and I will be talking to you and telling you what many of these names mean because they are so instructive in the whole narrative of the story. I would invite you to read uh, the rest of Ruth when you go home. So even though Bethlehem means house of food, a famine has overtaken Judah. So Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, because remember, he was an Israelite, takes his family and moves east of the Dead Sea to Moab. As resident aliens, migrants in Moab, immigrants, they were seeking a better life, and literally life and food for they and their children. Once in Moab, both sons marry Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And in those 10 years of being away from everything they knew, living in a land that was not their own, and trying to make their way one by one, all of the men in the family die, leaving Naomi a widower with two widowed daughters-in-law. As one commentator explains, in 10 years since crossing the border, this immigrant family experienced what many first-generation forced migrants encounter in times of plight and flight suffering loss and hardship and pain in a new context when they made their journey to escape just such hardships. Being a widower of advanced age was something of a death sentence for Naomi, and she knew it. For in order to live safely or abundantly in her time, a woman must be married. And for a woman past childbearing years, the likelihood of finding another husband was slim to absolutely zero. In an attempt to survive, she decides that she must travel home to Israel again because she has heard through the grapevine that the Lord has given people food there. With her decision, she tells her daughters-in-law that may, they may go, must go back to their mother's house. I don't know if you picked that up in the reading, go back to their mother's house, which is a pretty dramatic choice of words again. Reason being is because this is such a patriarchal society, because you went into a father's house or your husband's home, what Naomi should have said is you go back to your father's house. When she says you go back to your mother's house, what that tells many of the readers is that Orpah and Ruth came from homes where there was no father. And so that makes them double and triple as vulnerable, having to go home to an older woman's house. Naomi says to both of them, May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me. And the word she uses in Hebrew to say dealt kindly is chesed, I know that some of you remember that Glenn used that word chesed, and I truly believe that everyone should know at least one Hebrew word in your lexicon, so I'm gonna make you say it yourself. Chesed, say chesed. Chesed. You gotta get the ch, chesed, right? Chesed means loving kindness. It's relational kindness, it's covenantal love, it means goodness and mercy. It means going out of one's way for another without hesitation or strings attached, merely because you love them. It's exactly the kind of love that God has for each of us. With that, Naomi kisses both of them, a symbolic gesture of going back, and all of the women weep. When reading this, I can only imagine the fear and the loss and the grief and the terror kind of of that moment of all three of these women standing together when all they have ever known is no more. When all of, the, all of the security that they have is gone and when you don't know what that next step has in store for your life. Orpah decides to return to her mother's home. Ruth, however, is determined to stay with Naomi. As one commentator states, death has brought about a bonding more powerful than life. For me, that sounds a lot like a Christologic statement, does it, because Jesus bonds us to him through his death and resurrection, right? His death has brought about a bonding of us more powerful than life. And in that determination, Ruth whose name means friend in Hebrew, makes a decision to journey with her elderly mother-in-law to Israel, and for her, we know, they call her Ruth the Moabite in the text all the time. And we learn that in traveling to Israel, she's traveling to a land that Ezra and Nehemiah tell us were trying to purify Israel by casting out foreign wives and their children. Ruth is an enemy of Israel, and she knows that, yet she decides to take a journey that will reverse the trajectory of her Hebrew mother-in-law, Naomi's life, from despair and death to fertility and hope. She speaks those beautiful words we often hear at weddings to Naomi, Ruth does, where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. In this story, Ruth the Moabite, the foreigner, the alien, the disregarded, is the faithful one. Ruth the Moabite shows us God acts through the one least likely to matter in the community. Ruth the Moabite shows us God's character in the midst of suffering is often experienced in the extra measure the one who personifies the chesed of God. I wonder if you have ever met that person in your life, that that one that loves you without question, that one that shows up when you feel like your world is falling apart and doesn't leave until you say it's okay, the one that calls you just because, that one who doesn't want anything from you except for your life to be full and abundant. That is who Ruth is to Naomi. And in this very scandalous book, that person is the outsider. I'm reminded of the book of Hebrews who tells us to be careful to entertain strangers because in in that entertainment, we may be entertaining, entertaining angels unawares. And far from being just beautiful poetry, Ru- Ruth becomes a political counterclaim and an implicit theological affirmation of God as the God of all people. The God for which Ruth abandons everything is the God of the lowly and the God of the widow and the God of the stranger and the God of the enemy. She shows us that ethnic purity is not what God demands nor desires despite the dominant efforts of the ruling parties. No, this God does not belong to one people alone, but gathers all people into God's wide and abundant family. I cannot think of a time in my memory that the story of Ruth could be more important for us to hear. In an age where our country is so polarized, and we are constantly bombarded by political ads and inflammatory rhetoric which seek only to sow fear and division by otherizing the refugee and the immigrant, otherizing the brown-skinned or the ones whose language is not our own. We need Ruth's witness and guidance. And on this day, I am going to claim Ruth as our Saint of Chesed our saint of loving kindness, to remind us of the magnificent possibilities that that can emerge when we live beyond the walls that define and confine us. We need a reminder that God is not restricted by ethnic or religious boundaries and that the journeys of today's strangers, just as the journeys of Ruth and Naomi, are journeys seeking food and shelter and freedom and peace, we need a reminder that those who walk in caravans, those who wail for their separated children, those who seek asylum from persecution, look at us and to us with the faces of Ruth, asking each of us to search our hearts and imagine what can happen when walled worlds collapse and we make room for each other. My friend Deborah Jane is from Uganda. She fled her country after suffering a vicious acid attack at the hands of her husband and a neighbor in order to silence her and stop her from helping the abused women in her community. She had left her own abusive relationship and she started a catering business. And before she had to flee Uganda, she employed about 12 other women. In order to survive, which is a miracle she survived at all, she placed her children with relatives and she fled to Kenya. And in Kenya, she went to USAID and she asked to go to Sweden, actually, because um, she had family there and she knew that she would be welcomed. But she was told that it would be faster to come to the US and that she would get probably better medical care for her burns. She was also promised that she could send for her four children, whom she supported quite handily, as soon as she got to the US. Wheels down was what they told her, wheels down. That was five years and 11 surgeries ago, and Deborah has not seen her children since. She's done well in the US, she works two jobs, obviously, after owning her own catering company, she will, but she will never be completely whole until her children are with her. She will never be completely healed. Two weeks ago, I went to Deborah's home after she got off work of her second job, which was in the night, again, 11.30 at night, and I took a letter of support for her from this congregation and our refugee task force that she could take with her when she traveled back to Kenya to ask the embassy to let her bring her children home to Columbus, Ohio. She told me that God had spoken to her and that she is faithful and that God had said, Deborah, you need to speak for your own children. So Deborah lobbied our senators and got an emergency visa to go back to Kenya, the place she had fled, to ask and beg for her children. It was night and it was raining and she was to leave at 3.30 in the morning for the airport and she told me that she didn't remember the last time she flew on a plane coming here because she was so afraid and, and her burns hurt so badly that she just covered her head and sat in the chair and prayed that the person that was taking her would take her to people who would be kind to her. She said, never did I believe that I would meet you and I would meet First Community Church and I would meet the refugee task force. Her prayer is that her children will be here in Columbus with her for her next surgery at OSU, which is scheduled to be November 15th and for Christmas. And my prayer is that our country make room for her children that our answer be welcome, that our answer be shalom, that our answer be the chesed of God. And my prayer for each one of us is that we embody our saint of chesed Ruth, and we share kindness with everyone we meet. Amen.